This podcast allows others to tell their spiritual stories and journeys and gives them the safe space to do so. Some things said within may not always align with the views of our podcast. Here at Coven of Rejects, we believe in allowing anyone to tell their story regardless of our own personal beliefs. While we do encourage you to follow our guests on social media to better understand their journey, we do ask that you use your own intuition to discern what energy may or may not align with you. What's up, weirdos, rejects, and free spirits? Welcome back to another episode of Coven of Rejects. I'm your host, Diana Ratliff. As always, sit back, clutch your crystals, and let's get into some crazy spiritual shit. I want to thank Triple Seven Sounds for making that kick-ass introduction song. You can find them on Instagram at 777sounds. When editing this audio, there were random unexplained growls and almost voices in the background and some weird audio skips despite us having a great connection. We're just going to chalk it up to it was part of the magic. I took out what I could, but you are going to hear a little bit of what I couldn't take out. Please sit back and enjoy the magic. My guest this week is the one and only etheric medicina, a shaman and a healer. This was such a lovely interview to have. I have had so many moments of self-reflection since we did this interview. Stay tuned till the end because I actually ended up doing something that he and I talked about during this episode and it paid off in a huge way. But for now, please sit back and enjoy the life and journey of Etheric Medicina. Hello. Hello. How are you? I am so good. How are you? I'm doing wonderfully. Thank you. I cannot tell you how excited about this I am. I, oh my gosh, every time that you go live and I can catch one of your lives, I do. I feel like every time that you send a post, I'm getting a reality check and you're like, in the (laughs) nicest way, you're doing everything fucking wrong and we need to realign it. (laughs) I'm glad that it's received in that way for sure. (laughs) So um, I... I want to start out with, I know that you've talked about it on your lives before, but people that don't know you, I want to talk about um, how you were raised as far as what religion you were in. And then when you realized that you were starting to have gifts and how you were honing in on them, I just want to hear about you and your journey. Oh, yeah. Okay, sweet. Um, Yeah, I was not raised religiously at all. Um, there was there was no religion and there was no spirituality in my home either. I don't I don't really know if my parents believed in anything, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but my grandma on my mom's side of the family was like the witch and the spiritualist, um, the psychic and the Reiki master of the family. So I had this really interesting duality where when I was at home and I would have spiritual or supernatural experiences happen, you know, my parents would tell me it wasn't real. But when I would be with my grandma, which was almost every weekend, she was teaching me about all of this stuff and buying me crystals and smudging and doing Reiki on me and telling me that the spirits I was seeing were real. Um, So it was kind of confusing growing up because I could, I've always been connected to my psychic and spiritual gift. 
Um, I've always had communication with spirits. I've always been able to see them, hear them, feel them. And as a kid, I was very, very tapped in psychically. I just didn't know what to call it or what was happening or even how to like channel it intentionally. Um, and I would have these crazy experiences with my dad. I grew up in a pretty abusive home, but I would have these crazy experiences where like my dad would be talking to me or yelling at me. And he the, the conversation would always get to this place where he would ask me a question and I would answer his question, but then he would flip out on me and start yelling at me or slap me and tell me that I was trying to beat him to the answer before he asked the question. And for probably 15 years, I had no idea what that meant. And it drove me crazy because it was like, if I didn't answer him, then I would get hit. If I did answer him, he would say that I was trying to beat him to the answer. And eventually I talked to my grandma about this and she was like, I thought you knew you did that. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And she told me, you do it with me all the time. Like, I'll be about to ask you a question but I don't vocalize it and you'll answer my question before I even actually say anything. And so she taught me that I was picking up on people's thoughts and energies before they were actually expressing them. Yes. And it was wild. And I would see spirits all the time and I would always wake up my parents in the middle of the night to come get the kid out of my closet or to come tell the woman to stop screaming, you know, whatever it was. And they, they, they would get up and check the rooms and check the windows and stuff. And they would tell me that there was no one there. And I would be like staring at the person and I just didn't get it. Um, and so eventually, you know, I started really shutting my gifts down because with my parents, they seemed to cause more strife than anything. Um, there was a period of time where like my, my parents kept me from watching anything on TV that had to do with magic or witchcraft or the supernatural or anything because they legitimately thought that I was like losing my mind. And How so interesting that on one end you're getting totally validated by your grandmother and she's like, I know all of this about you and this is your personality and what you do. And then on the other end with the people who are supposed to care and nurture you, you're being ignored and it just must be what you're watching and, and being mistreated. I mean, th what a swip swap to be going back and forth to. It was such, it was a weird paradox. And what's crazy is like, as a child, I knew that it was wrong. Like I knew like, okay, things shouldn't be like this. And so I'm grateful that I had like the mentality that I had because um, I, I knew what I was feeling and, and I knew what was real. And also it was like, my mom grew up with my grandma. And, and from what I know, my mom and her sister also practiced different crafts and stuff when they were younger. And it was when they got older that they stopped. So it's kind of like my mom shut that part of her life away and then denied it ever even existed. It was really interesting. I'm like my grandma would buy me crystals and stuff as a kid and my parents would throw them away. And I would always think that I lost them. And <sighs> yeah, it was like, they didn't want, but and, and like I said, I grew up in a really abusive home. So for me, it was just like one more thing that my parents did that was that was crazy to me as a child. And I would have these experiences where like I could always hear people talking uh, in my ears that were never around me. And it got to the point where I, I was really going crazy because there were always audible voices in my head and I could never hear 
or tell where they were, were coming from. And it got to the point where when I was probably like seven, I tried so hard to shut the voices out of my ears <laughs> that I, um, I went in my grandma's purse and I <laughs> unwrapped a Hall's candy or a Hall's throat lozenge and shoved the wrapper as far inside of my ears as I could get it ended up getting it lodged in there and we were like out at the mall and we had to go into a store and get tweezers and like fish the halls wrapper out of my they were like why are you doing that and i was like because the voices that you're telling me don't exist are in my head and, and driving me nuts it was really wild um and yeah so once i got older as a teenager i really started blocking stuff out and not allowing it to come through me because like i was i was a kid on the playground and stuff who like talked to plants and bugs and stuff and was having full-on conversations with them. And I'm, I'm realizing as I say this out loud that I was probably really lucky that they didn't send me to a psych ward or something because I, I didn't know that, that other people weren't having those experiences. I, um, I legitimately thought that I was schizophrenic in high school and told my parents that they needed to put me somewhere because same thing, I was hearing voices and I, I physically have seen spirit my whole life as well. Yeah. And, um, they would come through as shadows and nobody, you know, nobody who doesn't tap into that understands what you're talking about. And so you legitimately think like you're fucking nuts. Right. And, and it was, it, if, if it weren't for my grandma really nurturing that stuff in me, that, that would definitely be the place that I would have gone to legitimately. I was, I was so grateful growing up that, cause, cause also it was like, you know, my grandma practiced Reiki. And so I knew that it, that all of it was real because let's say I would get injured at school and I would be with my parents afterwards, you know, my parents would like put peroxide on it and it would hurt and it would burn and they'd clean it up and it was like torture, right? But if I was with my grandma, she would do Reiki and everything would feel better. She wouldn't even have to touch me. And all of a sudden the pain would go away. Her fucking hands are sweating and <laughs> there's like heat coming out of them. And so I knew that that it was real, but I still went to this place of like okay well even if it's real I can't like let it be this much and and also I didn't really understand it even though she was telling me it was real it was like okay well but what am I supposed to do with it like what is the point of this existing and why are the spirits like mostly coming out at night and creeping me out (laughs) probably because that's when you're the stillest and you're the most able to tap in and most able to listen and you're not distracted yeah, yeah, the most receptive for sure. So it was it was in high school. In high school I started like 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 faking psychic and that I would know things and everyone would always ask me like how'd you know that was going to happen or how'd you know that that that's what I was going to do or how did you know that that happened when I never even told you. And I would just kind of play it off like oh you should know by now that I'm psychic. But I wasn't ever owning it like it was a real thing. It was just something that I was kind of like feigning or playing into. And it got really wild as an adult. Uh, my parents kicked me out when I was 17. And I lived with my grandma for a little while. And then I got my own apartment. And when I got my own apartment, it was really fascinating because I just naturally started gravitating towards the witchy things, you know, buying candles, buying sage, buying crystals, doing little rituals at home and stuff. And I just, 
like I thought that's how people lived because I really looked up to my grandma and I kind of assumed that whatever my grandma did, like she knew best and, and anyone who knew best was doing what she did. Right. But it was like my friends would come over and they would come over and my house would be super smoky. There would be ritual candles lit everywhere. And they'd be like, what is, what's going on here? Like, what are you doing? I don't understand this. And that's when I started realizing that there was something, there was something different, right? There was something people, not only were people like unaware of it or not used to it, but some people were afraid of it and thought that I was into some sort of black magic stuff. And so that's when I really started growing into my spirituality and understanding that there was there was something unique, there was something different, there was something rare about it. And even though other people didn't understand it, like I was so drawn to it, I gravitated towards it. And whenever I was engaged in those practices, it just felt right. Like it, it felt like I was at home and the energy in my space felt better. Everything felt better and, and all of the rituals and manifestations and things like that that I was doing this stuff would happen and it would like it would actually come true and so I knew that there was something to it even though I never had like any sort of training or anything like that like I I knew that I knew what I was doing even though (laughs) I didn't know how I knew what I was doing does that make sense no, that absolutely makes it. You okay. were just doing it so naturally that yeah. you weren't having to put thought into it. And so other people having a different thought, you're like, I don't know why this is weird. I'm just being myself. Right. No, exactly that. And it, it was interesting. Like when, so I'm, I'm from San Diego and, and I left San Diego when I was 20 and moved to Vegas. And it was when I moved to Vegas that I I literally took all of that stuff and put it in the closet. I tell people like my coming out of the closet, what had nothing to do with being gay. That was a really easy process for me. (laughs) There was, there was no big show about it. I didn't care what anyone thought. And I was like, Oh, this is what's happening. But coming out of the closet with my gifts and actually owning them was definitely like the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And it was like, I I came to a new city, I started doing day life and nightlife marketing for the cosmopolitan. And it was like, there there wasn't space for the witchy, the woo woo, the weird, everyone's, you know, like, super 3D and all about business and money. And so I fell into that life for a while and really lost touch with my spirituality and, and started, you know, the, the voices in my head all of a sudden weren't there so much anymore. And what started happening was really wild, right? Before uh, I ended up moving, I started having these crazy experiences in Vegas, uh, whether I was home alone or in a group of people where my body would start going into this reaction for seemingly no reason, where it it legitimately looked like I was having a seizure and people thought that I was having seizures, but I, I was coherent enough And I say coherent enough because I was so confused that I was really discombobulated, but my entire body would be shaking. It would be hard for me to breathe. My body would go ice cold and uh, my vision would get hazy and no one knew what was happening. It it started when it started, it was like once a week, it would just kind of hit whenever. And then all of a sudden it got to this place where four times a day I'm having seizure like symptoms And me and my friends ended up like self-diagnosing it as panic attacks. It's the only thing that made sense. I obviously wasn't having a full-on seizure, but there was something that was happening. My body was having this really visceral response to something. 
And for a couple years, I lived in that space where I just knew like, like a few times a day, it would feel like I'm dying and I would need to like go to the bathroom, get my shit together and teach myself how to breathe all over again. And I had no clue what was going on. Well, so eventually I ended up spontaneously moving to Cedar City, Utah, where I live now. And at first the experiences stopped. And then once I like really got involved in community and started working here, it started happening again. And I didn't really understand. I was like, okay, I'm not living in a stressful place. Like, why would I be having panic attacks when there's literally nothing here that's stressing me out? And I, I love it here. I feel very peaceful. And so there was this, there was this key moment when I turned back to spirituality and I had been kind of in this like relationship, not relationship with this guy here. It got to a really unhealthy and, and harmful place. And so I, I cut things off with him and I felt like, like I didn't know what I was doing with my life. I felt like I was like, what am I doing here in Utah? I don't know anyone here. I've been here for probably like six months at that point. And I, I felt like I had lost a sense of purpose or direction. And ever since my, my apartment in San Diego, I would carry around this suitcase. And the suitcase had all of the magical stuff in it. It was the crystals, the sage, the oils, the smudging stuff. And I hadn't popped that thing open in at least two years. So this one night I'm like breaking down. I feel like there's no purpose for me. And something just tells me to, to just open up the suitcase and go in it. So I was like, I don't know what that'll do for me. So I'm like face full of tears and snot, go in the closet, open up the suitcase. And there was a bag of, uh, are you familiar with runes? Yes, I am. Okay. So there was a bag of runes that my grandma had gifted me years and years before that. And I never used them. So I pulled the bag of runes out and I was like, I don't even know how to use these. And I, I, I don't even know like what I'm looking for here. And something just told me, just shake the bag of runes up. And as you're shaking it, ask it the question that you're having the most trouble with right now. And after you ask the question, put your hand in the bag, a rune is naturally going to fall into your hand and that's going to be your answer. So I was like, okay, whatever. So I'm given the bag a shake and I'm like crying and I'm, I'm asking it, you know, like what is the purpose of being here? And what is this phase of my life that I'm in right now? Because I feel like I don't have a path and a rune falls in my hand and I pull it out and it's the Vagas rune, which is the rune of everlasting daylight. It's a rune of enlightenment and it's a rune of being on our absolute highest path and stepping into connecting with our most divine, our most empowered, our most enlightened selves. And as soon as I looked at it, my whole body was covered in goosebumps and I dropped down to the floor and I just started crying and I understood immediately. It was like, you know what you're supposed to be doing, even if you don't know how to do it, you know that you're here to have an impact on the world. You know that you're not here to just work regular jobs. You know that you're not here to be a part of the 3D matrix in this way. And it's time for you to accept your power. And to give a little backstory on that, when my entire life leading up to that point, I would have these recurring sets of dreams. Ever since I was a little kid, as far back as I can remember, I would have this these dreams that would repeat over and over and over and over again. And the dreams were 
literally the end of the world. And I would go through this entire process with the world ending. And then I would end up, there would be people that were left over, right? Like the rapture, the people left behind. Mm -hmm. And I would take those people and teach them how to start over and how to live on the earth, uh, living with compassion and love, living as a community, living from the earth, um, sharing, you know, being involved in magic. And then when I was 18, uh, these random people started finding me. I could be at work, I could be at the movies, I could be out at lunch with friends. And every few months, a random person would walk up to me, bow to me, and kiss my hands, pray at my feet, and let me know why I was here and who I was, telling me that I'm going to lead the world into an age of prosperity or an age of unconditional love, an age of peace. And this would happen in public. Like I'd have groups of people just standing around me watching as some random person would literally be praying at my feet. And I always thought they were crazy, but simultaneously I was having all of these dreams ever since I was a kid. And so it was really scary for me because it was like, my the dreams I was having, all of a sudden they were expressing themselves in the waking state and physical humans were coming to me and telling me all of the things that I would be seeing in my dreams. What a sense of responsibility. <laughs> oh, you have no idea. I took myself around and round. Once I once I reconnected with my spirituality when I moved to Utah, I it was like, okay, well, since I'm gonna own my magic, that means that somehow I've gotta like fucking end all of the chaos in the world <laughs> and, and usher in an era of world peace. Like how the hell am I supposed to do that, right? And it was overwhelming. I literally carried the weight of the world on my back because once I decided to reconnect with my magic, I also, I kind of overshot it and, <laughs> and connected with this idea that I'm responsible for the world. It was nuts. Um, and so at that point, I sat in my first ayahuasca ceremony. Are you familiar with ayahuasca? I am. So I sat in my first ceremony. This was six or seven years ago. And it was so funny because I went in there. My intention for ceremony was to receive whatever I needed to receive in order to carry out my purpose here on earth and help people. And the ceremony was so incredibly beautiful. And there was this moment in the ceremony where she took me into this space where I was just in complete blackness and all that was there. It was like I was in a bathroom, but all you could see was the sink, the mirror, and the lights above it. And there, were, there was one light that was lit and ayahuasca just put me in this room. And I was like, what am I supposed to be doing here? And eventually I was standing in there for so long that the light started flickering. And I got really, really scared because I realized if this light goes out, I'm going to be in complete black. Like there's nothing around me. There weren't even walls. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to get stuck here. And so I keep asking Ayahuasca, what am I supposed to be doing here? And the light would flicker out for longer periods of time and then it would come on. And eventually the medicine told me to turn on the light. And so I'm trying to look for a light switch. There's no walls, so there's no light switch. And eventually I got it. And she just kept repeating to me, turn on the light, turn on the light, turn on the light. 
And eventually I realized like, I don't need to turn on a switch. I need to just do the thing. I need to just turn on the light. And I visualized the light being on and it stopped flickering and it grew brighter and brighter and brighter until I was just enveloped in this bright white light. And then she brought me back into like the physical space that I was actually in. And there was all of this clarity about how I need to stop thinking that there's another process or I need to stop thinking that there's a more earthly way or a more human way of doing something because I had this fear, you know, I was always an outcast. I was always different. I was always the black sheep. And as an adult, it was like, I finally found my cool. Like people liked me. I was popular and I was the life of the party, but also, you know, I was repressing this magical piece of me that I was afraid no one was going to understand and everyone was going to run away from. And so ayahuasca was like, no, you need to use your magic. And you know that you need to use it. You've had all of the dreams your whole life. You know what you're here to do. I can't tell you anything that you don't already know. All I can tell you is to act on what you do know. And so I came back home to Utah. I quit my job. I did my first Reiki certification and fully stepped in uh, and, and started using my gifts. And it was like, Everything just made sense all of a sudden. I was doing Reiki and it grew into psychic reading. It grew, that grew into channeling, which was, has always been such crazy experiences for me. And then it naturally developed into shamanism. And my, my grandmother, when I was a kid, she always told me, I, I used to think she was so crazy sometimes. She always told me, you're going to be a powerful shaman one day and your hair is going to be so long and beautiful. And she would always tell me that. And I was always like, you old lady, like, stop it. You've been watching too much TV or like, you've been reminiscing on the old rituals of your past too much. Like, I'm not a shaman. What are you talking about? And sure as hell, even ayahuasca had that message for me. She said, look at all of the shamans in this room and the work that they're doing. You know exactly what they're doing because you've done this work before. And sure as hell, I'm looking around the room and all of the medicine people that were facilitating that ayahuasca ceremony I, before they even got up to do something, I knew what needed to be done and I knew who was going to get up and do it and I knew how to do it. And for the rest of ceremony, I was just watching them and connecting with the fact that they're doing all this stuff that I've actually never seen before, but I knew exactly why they were doing it, why it was needed, who was needing that support. It was incredible. Um, and so it just, you know, just developed and grew and turned into what it is now, which is I facilitate plant medicine ceremonies and I do psychic reading and channeling and tarot and all sorts of magical stuff that I was always shown in my dreams, but never believed. And so that's kind of the 20 minute version of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Would you explain for me um, what channeling is? Yeah, so for me, channeling is different than mediumship. So I am a psychic medium. Um, and for me, psychic mediumship is connecting with the spirits of the deceased. Um, channeling, and, and in that mediumship is, I'm, I am talking to the spirit. So like the spirits next to me, I'm talking to it and relaying those messages to whoever I'm doing the mediumship for. Channeling, on the other hand, is totally different. Channeling is when an energy or an entity is actually inside of my body using my body like a puppet and I'm completely somewhere else. Um, typically, this is not like the spirit of someone dead. This is honestly an energy that 
Well, so the, the energy that I personally channel refers to itself as all of us. It claims that it is the, the consciousness of everything that has ever lived um, and will ever live. And it speaks through me. Um, so it comes into my body. And this actually connects with when I thought I was having seizures years before that, that is this process. So when I start channeling, when that energy starts coming through me, my body is shaking and jolting around, my body's ice cold, and I have to retrain myself to breathe so that I can sink into it and actually allow that energy essentially to take over my body. And I kind of go into this like weird semi-sleep space where I'm, I'm not really conscious. Um, and so this, this energy or this being, this force is speaking through me. It speaks through this weird accent, um, its mannerisms, the verbiage that it uses, the way that it moves my body is completely different than I do it. Um, it looks nothing like me. Even the face, like my, my face falls different. My mouth is different. My eyes, it's, it's, it's very apparent. I've, we've caught it in recording several times and it's very apparent that it's, it's not me, but it's in me, if that makes sense. I have goosebumps talking about it and not like scared, but just, yeah, yeah. You know, um, so for people who, let me say, so would somebody be able to think of it as, as what they would think of being possessed? Probably, honestly. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing that kind of can, can freak people out about it is that we've grown up in, in a, a culture that, you know, we have these like scary movies about possession and ghosts taking over your body and, and like fucking things up. Right. Right. And for me, it's um, in the beginning, uh, because of how much it caught me off guard, it, it would freak me out. I wasn't super comfortable with it. The very first time it ever actually fully happened, um, I had been living in Utah for probably a year, maybe a year and a half. And I was with a friend at her apartment. We were outside by the pool. And all of a sudden, that feeling of... of panic attack, that feeling of a seizure comes over me. And it had been at this point, you know, it had been a couple of years since I had experienced that. And I was like, well, this is weird. This doesn't really make any sense. I don't get this anymore. My body starts twitching and jolting and jumping and shaking. It goes ice cold. But this time, all of a sudden, I think because I had the awareness that like, well, since I'm not at a place in my life where I get panic attacks anymore, this is something different. And so it's like I had a different awareness about it. And so the experience was different. I started having visions. I started going in and out of consciousness. And my friend and I decided that we needed to go inside because something was happening and we didn't want me to like fall and hit my head. So we came inside and I sat on the couch my body. And then all of a sudden it was like, once I got comfortable on the couch, my arms are flying in the air, my body's jumping and I like can't actually form words. And so something was just telling me to just like breathe, breathe into your whole body and just go through this experience. So I started breathing really deeply. My body started settling down a little bit. And then the next thing I know, I'm opening my eyes and in front of me, there's uh, a fold-out table. My friend's phone is sitting on the table recording me, and she's handing me uh, a cup of water. And I'm looking around, like, and I was super hazy, super out of it. It almost felt like I was hungover, just, like, without the headache. Yeah. And 
I'm looking at her and I'm like, why is your phone in front of me? What's going on? And she goes, you don't remember anything, do you? And so then I start thinking like, oh, fuck, I must have passed out or something. And But she's got this look on her face like she just won the lottery. And I go, can you, like, what happened? The last thing I remember is we came, we came inside because I started having a panic attack. And she goes, I think you know that that wasn't a panic attack. And I was like, okay, that's fair, but can you tell me what happened? And she goes, honestly, you won't believe me if I tell you. She goes, I started recording it about half an hour in. So I'm going to show you the recording. And then I was like, what do you mean half an hour in? Half an hour into what? And she goes, you, know, you don't even have an idea of how long it's been, do you? And I, I, I was like, what are you talking about? And she hands me her phone and it was like two o'clock in the morning. It was three hours that I had been channeling. Oh, shit. It was nuts. So she hands me her phone and we start watching the video and I start tripping out because I'm literally watching a video of myself speaking in this foreign accent and but it like it didn't it, it didn't look like me my face was different my arms were moving differently my mannerisms were different the were everything it was just like it was the most bizarre surreal supernatural experience of my entire life now was it um, scary to watch that video or was it more scary that you didn't remember rather than it was scary of the actual circumstance exactly that the fact that i didn't remember was what freaked me out because i i it's my whole life i've had this weird uh fear of like blacking out going unconscious things of that nature yes and it was it, it literally happened it was like my worst fear happened but i didn't remember it <laughs> happening <laughs> and and it, it really is you know it's it's freaky regardless of like being safe or okay afterwards losing chunks of time even if you're in the care of another person is a really scary experience it's extremely scary and i mean of course, when, you know, you go to the hospital for having a moment like that, it's that you're on something or right. whatnot. There never is a spiritual explanation to anything. <laughs> it's always a medical approach, you know? Of course. Of course. So, yeah. So, just... yeah the channeling is, 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 is a, I've learned that it's one of the most vulnerable experiences, um, that I that I can have in the work that I do because it's it's a complete surrender. It's also a complete trust, but it's you're literally surrendering your entire body to that experience and to trusting that whatever is coming through you is it you know it has good intentions. And that was something you know in in all of the recordings. They when they come through it's always beautiful. Like they've got information to share with people, like super out there information, but it makes so much sense. And they, whoever's, so, so we went through this process basically after that first time that I channeled, we watched back the video. They, they, it was, it was kind of like their introduction. Like, this is who we are. This is why we're coming through. This is a purpose, a mission that he is here to carry out. And we're here to work through him. And so after that, it, it happened about once every two weeks. Um, all of a sudden, I would start channeling. And so at that point, the energy center that I was working in, uh, the woman that I had been with the first time she worked there, and then the owner of the space, uh, they would hold space for me. So we, when, as soon as I would feel like 
that feeling coming on, I would let them know. And they would get a massage table, lay me down, put a blanket over me, grab a pillow, and all of us would start coming through. And so we would, after the first couple of sessions, we realized like, I don't remember anything that's happening in that space. And there would be so much information and also so much energy that they were holding space for that they would forget bits and pieces. So then we realized, okay, let's start recording this so that we can go back and reference this and remember it. And so we would record it and every time they would come through, there was always, it would feel like a couple different segments. Like they would come through and they would talk about worldly stuff that was happening and energies that were moving and things that we needed to be prepared for. And then they would also talk about like personal stuff. This was one thing I never appreciated too much is they would talk about like personal stuff that was going on with me. And they'd be like, you know, we see this is happening inside of his body and he needs to know this and he needs, and so they would know like all of my personal stuff that I was experiencing. And then they would also bring through information for the people holding space for me. You know, they would ask them what questions they had, you know, what they needed to know. They would, they would basically do whatever their version of like psychic reading is on the people who were holding space for me. So they, they always came through just to offer up a ton of information and awareness. And a lot of it was, was personal to each person that was in the room during that experience. It was really cool. Um, and so eventually, you know, it's like I started getting more comfortable with it and, and allowing it and learning it. And it would happen more often, went from being every other week to every week. Um, and so we would just have these regular sessions, but it was always unexpected. Um, like, like, it's not like I would know, hey, I'm going to channel tomorrow afternoon. It was just when it was time, it was time. And I needed to like, hope I wasn't driving or something. <laughs> Wow. So now, do you now have a different control on it where you're able to be like, oh, uh, now I'm going to channel on purpose or is it still sporadic? So now I actually channel a lot less. Like the last time I channeled was probably the end of last year. It's probably been about a year. And I think that's because of the fact that I, when I do psychic reading and stuff like that, I'm accessing maybe if not the same information information that is from the same book as what all of us brings through but to to more directly answer your question we did start learning how to how to make it happen um and that was something that all of us taught me like they they taught us that i had this kind of victimizing relationship with them where i was perceiving it as like well, this thing just happens to me. And when it happens, then I'm going to go under and not remember a couple hours. And so they taught me, you know, like, you can initiate this whenever you want as well. It doesn't have to just be that we come and ring the doorbell and all of a sudden you freak out. Like if there's something you are wanting to know or tap into, you know, you can, you can call on us or if you're wanting us to continue, cause they would bring through information and it was like, it was like a movie, you know, they, I would channel them for a couple hours. And then the next time I would channel, it was almost like they would pick up where they left off. And so they let me know, you know, you can do this as well. And so uh, two years ago is when I started initiating the channeling sessions. There was a lot of stuff that I wanted to know and a lot of curiosities that came up. And so I, I remember the first time I was so scared because it was it almost I realized like it was easier for me to just be caught off guard by it. But if it was like, OK, like call my friend Natalie and we're going to have a channeling session tonight at seven o'clock. And then all day I'm just like anticipating it. <laughs> but it, it, it got a lot easier. 
it was something that I, I didn't share with many people in the beginning because I was, I was so insecure about it. I was, I was so afraid of judgment, um, partially because I was judging it and I was afraid of it. You know, like I, even though I was doing it, I still didn't fully get it. And the way that my body would respond to it, which did end up calming down over time. But I mean, I'm literally, whether I'm sitting down or laying down, my limbs would just randomly go jumping up and down. My body would jump and jolt, things of that nature. And I was so, you know, like weirded out by how it looked that that would impact my my ability to just channel in front of people. And so I told very select people in my life, that that I was that that was an experience and well and the thing was too was it would happen so like I had my couple of regular people that it would happen with and and that knew about it but but then it would also happen sometimes randomly with like people who don't even know what channeling is and and actually when this first started I didn't even know what channeling was so it was a completely new experience for me and so then it would start happening with people and, and, and they would always make sure that we knew that they would come through when I was with certain people because they had messages to bring to those specific people. It was like they needed to come through and activate people, regardless of whether that person was comfortable with it or not, regardless of whether that person knew what channeling was or not. They, they were very selective about who they came through with. Well, that must mean then, I mean, on some level that that it, they or all of us are approaching people that they think are ready to be awakened in right. a way, you know? Right. And that was the big trick, too, was like, no matter what, I would always freak out. Like, whenever it would happen with someone that I that I that wasn't familiar with channeling, it would be about a half hour process for me to even surrender to it. And I literally would just be sitting there like shaking and hyperventilating and stuff. And people would be like, what's wrong with you? And I would have to explain to them like, okay, I'm, I'm actually about to go unconscious, but I'm still going to be talking to you, but it's not going to be me. And I just, I just really need for you to not freak out and run away because I, I need space to be held for me, but something's about to happen and you can record it if you want. Um, but just like, please this process. And, and those people were always okay with it, even if they were weirded out by it, because of the fact that all of us would always bring through really crucial information for that person at that point in their life. And it would be stuff that like, even psychically reading those people, I wouldn't have even been picking up on that stuff. But all of us would bring through this information for people that was so profound that it was it was undeniable the experience that was being had. I'm just, I'm, I'm just sitting here like I'm just trying to imagine being a person that you're hanging out with and you're like, by the way, heads up, <laughs> I'm about to be unconscious. Don't worry. I'm going to be speaking. It's not me. And my face is going to look distorted, but it's me. <laughs> but it's not me. But listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly how it was. And it was like... It would be cool too, because then, you know, once they would leave and I would come out of it, we would have time to process what happened. And we would always, with whoever it was, like I'd come out of it and then we would sit there and we would like listen to the recording or watch the video over and then like talk about it and process it. And so it, it was a really, it, it's always been a really cool experience that has brought me closer to people, but it has also you know, triggered really deep insecurity in me and fear of judgment because it is such like a, 
a wild out there experience. And like my life is already a ton of wild out there experiences, but this one just like really takes the cake. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Yes, yes, wild and out there maybe, but also I think that because you've been through that and you know what it's like to need somebody to hold space for you, you are so good at providing that for other people, whether they are physically in your presence. I know that for me, I'm not physically in your presence, but I know that there's such a comfort sometimes with things that you post that like are literally what I'm going through or when you go live and I can see you answering people's questions or reading somebody and being like, and this is how I, you know, this is how I perceive it and whatnot. You hold space for people in a way that I don't think that somebody would be able to if they hadn't gone through what you have and have needed so much understanding and non-judgment and space held for them. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Thank you for that reflection, because I've actually never thought of how it applied to the way that I hold space for people. So I, I really appreciate that reflection. You even posted about um, holding space for people the other day. You posted a photo of you hugging somebody, <laughs> you know, and you're like, it, you know, you just need space held sometimes. Nobody has to say anything. You can work right. through your own things. And I, just, I thought that was beautiful. I, I'm not, I, I don't like... Um, I don't like physical space being held for me. I find mm. that when I'm going through something, I've always liked to be left alone. Mm-hmm. And I have recently realized that I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I just have never felt safe being uh, that vulnerable or, uh, you know, being down necessarily um, mm. and being off my guard around anybody. And so I don't know that, necessarily the way that I need space held for me because I have never let anybody in enough to even offer to hold a space for me oh yeah it's even that is this weird level of discomfort and vulnerability in in some really interesting ways and I can I can definitely relate with that for me it it used to be um I wasn't comfortable with it because the I before I started doing this work, I had the idea that someone holding space for me meant that I couldn't handle whatever it was. Yes. And so I never wanted to give someone the opportunity to hold space because I had this belief system that, well, if, if, if I'm not getting through it on my own, then I'm doing it wrong and I'm failing. So I'm just going to bite hard and, and figure out what I need to do to get through this you feel differently inside than what is exuded outside. And so inside I've had these moments of like feeling so broken and how am I going to get through this? And I, I'm so confused about what's going on, you know, spiritually or whatever's going on in my life and the people around being like, you're so strong, you know, (laughs) you're the strongest person I know. And so you get this like, Oh, I'm strong. Cause I'm like handling this shit by myself. Uh I'm strong. And it's actually not strong to only rely on yourself because you're never giving yourself an opportunity to be hurt and grow any kind of strength. Yes, completely. It's so important. And and the ego grows this this like false sense of pride in that too. It's like, yeah, bet you're at I'm a strong independent black woman and I do not need no man. <laughs> no matter how much I'm hurting inside, and sometimes even even if I want someone to hug me, no, I'm a strong independent black woman and I don't need your hug. <laughs> right. And I, it prevents yeah. us from being able to receive that. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I um 
when you said that, I realized I, I was literally thinking in my car on the drive home about talking. And I started thinking about how, like what my comfortability is. I started thinking about mm. the safe space that you were talking about. And that's when I came to this revelation. And I realized that my husband has become that, like that place for me, but we've been together for seven years and I'm just now at the point where like, I am finally comfortable with that. So do you, do you find that when you are doing your ceremonies and your retreats and, and people are opening up, do you find that it takes people time to warm up, like going maybe more than once? Or do you find that this is an experience that (laughs) really opens people up to talking in a way that they're like, this isn't me, but wow, I needed this. It's immediate. It is, it is immediate. And it is one of the most powerful experiences to have because, and you know, going into, into those experiences, whether it's a one night ceremony or a three day immersion, I, you know, I, I connect with people, I have consultations with people. And so I know who's coming into the space, like pretty closed off and who's not. And every single experience, um, because I I always start uh, my experiences by tapping in and uh, like sharing intentions, people uh, sharing why it is that they're there. And I'm someone who, as delicately as I do it, I I very much encourage and challenge people to vocalize, to be heard, to take the spotlight, to take the microphone, and to do the thing that makes them want to like curl up in a ball and die. And so when every time we start the circle, there always ends up being a handful of people who it gets their turn to speak and they just start bawling. And it's like the first time in their life that they've allowed themselves to be seen, to be vulnerable, to be heard. And all of this stuff that they've been holding on to just comes pouring out of them. There's never a person who comes in and is actually able to remain closed off or shut down for any amount of time. Everyone gets there. And even if it starts weird when people are setting up, there might be a couple of people who don't talk to anyone. But as soon as we start, and they'll say it, and those will usually be the people who are like, they end up rambling on for seven minutes. And they're like, I never talk. I never share myself. I never express, but I cannot stop talking now that I've been given the opportunity to do so in this space. And it's something that I, I really love and I think is really special because everyone who comes to a ceremony, everyone who comes to an experience like that is there to do really deep work and is there to push their own envelopes. They're there to tap into something more. They're there to connect with something different a lot of them come and have no idea what they're walking into, but they know that they need to push their boundaries a little bit. And people are, whether they know it or not, <laughs> they're coming in asking for their walls to be broken down. And it's beautiful because very rarely do I ever have to actually do something to initiate that process, except giving them the space to allow it to happen. So I, I've got to experience this, I tell you. I honestly like everyone needs to and I tell people like it doesn't even have to be my ceremony but go to a ceremony and and experience what this work is really about because 
time and time again, I've been doing ceremonial work. I've been facilitating ceremonies for four years. I've been in the, the plant medicine and ceremonial world for six years. And every single freaking ceremony, I'm blown away by the experiences that people have. It's beyond me. It's like, yeah, there's this stuff coming through me and I say things and I sing things and I chant things and I light candles and play instruments and do this stuff. But what is actually happening outside of my facilitation and through it is beyond me. It's so magical. And, and there are things that happen in that space that I never even could have thought of trying to make happen. And it happens. And I just get to sit there and revel at it because that that's literally all I can do. I tell everyone that th there's no experience like going to a ceremony. There's absolutely nothing that you can compare to that in life. And, and that means that there are experiences and, and epiphanies and downloads and processes that you go through in ceremony that you cannot go through in any other space. There's, there's, there's no ability to. Do you know if anybody has gone to ceremony and left and like just completely changed the entire path of their life because of that experience? Oh, plenty. Me, first of all, number one, me. <laughs> <laughs> I quit my job. I quit my job immediately. I was at the time I was managing Verizon stores. And after I sat in my first Aya ceremony, I was like, wow, like I can't, I can't know this now. I can't have this in my body now. And pretend like that's not what's going on and I quit um and and that's a story for a lot of people and it's actually it's, it's a running joke in plant medicine communities especially with ayahuasca it's a running joke like like okay be careful because you're gonna sit with this medicine and you might like move to China the next day because of because of what you realize and what it brings you and so we tell people you know taking time we talk about integration all the time in plant medicine circles and taking time to integrate it and to really process what you experienced what came up for you what you were awakened to and how to incorporate that into your life is really important because we can make some rash decisions sometimes after ceremony because we're really open we just had this wild interdimensional synchronistic connected divine experience and so sometimes we like lose touch with a little bit of pragmatism or practicality or reason and we think like oh i need to act on this immediately there are people who leave ceremony and like think that they're supposed to be calling someone right then and proposing to them on the phone. And we're like, okay, oh, maybe, yeah, like maybe that's <laughs> not what the medicine meant. Maybe, maybe the medicine didn't literally mean that, or maybe she was using the word marriage in a different way than you're used to. And so there's a languaging that we have to kind of learn to, uh, to figure out, to deduce, to comprehend, um, in order to really be able to integrate those experiences and lessons in a way that will still allow us to like move through the 3d human world in an agreeable manner. <laughs> so do you do ayahuasca? Um, is that something that, that is part of your ceremonies? Uh, yes and no. Um, so it depends on the ceremony. Uh, I do a lot of different types of ceremonies. I work with a lot of different plant medicines. And so it really just depends on on what the flavor <laughs> for that ceremony is. Okay. Um, my ceremonies are pre-planned mostly. I, I So like right now I have the next six months of ceremonies planned and figured out and on the calendar and websites and stuff. And 
based on the moon phases, the sun phases, um, the time of year and the energy I pick up, that's how I know what medicine is to be incorporated in that ceremony. Um, very rarely oh. there might be, yeah, yeah, it's super cool. I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Um, uh, sometimes there will be a ceremony where like, let's say I planned on serving uh, cacao by itself. Sometimes maybe, you know, hape or sananga or blue lotus, the day of ceremony will, will let me know like, hey, I'm going to be a part of this too. And then I'll be able to prepare that offering. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really different all the time. And I've, I've noticed that some of the medicines kind of have their seasons. Um, so like San Pedro, which is a cactus, uh, a cousin of peyote, that ceremony is held outdoors during the daytime and has a really deep level of connecting us to nature. Um, so those ceremonies mostly take place during the spring and the summer. Um, ayahuasca for me, you know, ayahuasca is an indoor nighttime medicine and that's how those ceremonies are traditionally held. And for me, you know, that ceremony can be held any time of year, but I also feel that there is a particular time of year where she is a little bit more impactful. And for me, that is usually during fall and winter where I feel like she's taking me into maybe a deeper space or a cozier space. It feels more at home for me. Um, uh, psilocybin, for example, for me is like a springtime medicine, you know, when the plants are all waking up and coming out of their hibernation, the mushrooms pop up and they want to have fun, they want to play, they want to connect, they want to show us some stuff. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, I really feel that there is, there's like a seasonal effect with the plant medicines as well. This is very interesting. I have tried, um, I've tried mushrooms a few times. I swear that I've never felt anything except yeah. I want to go and lay in my bed and that's <laughs> all that I want to do like I just it, that's where I feel comfy yeah. so um and to me I don't feel any different and my husband will be like you've been staring at that wall for hours <laughs> and um so I wonder if it's that there should be a different experience being paired with it that I am not doing um, and ayahuasca has been very interesting to me, the, the thought of it and you saying that it's like a nighttime indoor homey thing. It yeah. feels like my vibe. Um, that makes sense. Uh, can ayahuasca give you a, a panicky feeling because you are having an experience <laughs> like being alone in a room without walls and a bathroom sink with a mirror and a light that keeps going out? Like, are you able to differentiate reality from the experience that you're in? That's a wonderful question. Uh, yes and no. Um, so as far as, so if we're using a, uh, I'll, I'm going to condense your question and then I'm going to re-expand it. So can ayahuasca give us a panicky feeling? That is like, <laughs> that's like the heart of ayahuasca okay. ceremony. is <laughs> <laughs> a panicky feeling for sure. Um, it, is she, and, and part of that is because of the fact that so she is releasing DMT in the brain, right? And so DMT is only is 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 typically only and mostly released at birth and at death. Um, so part of that process is that we go through a death process in order to really get into 
the core or the heart of ayahuasca ceremony. Um, so there's a need to allow ourselves to release the body. There's a need to allow ourselves to release belief systems. There's a need to allow ourselves to release the breath even sometimes. And so we, we get taken to this really crucial point of surrender where we have the choice to, to die and go beyond what that experience is. Um, as far as the other parts, the panicky, the anxiety, things of that nature, depending on the experience that we're having, you know, like it can, it can be, it can be the most beautiful sunshine and rainbows type experience. And then it can be an experience where you literally think that you're dying. You literally think you're dying. So there, there, I, I tell people the most difficult ceremony of my life, uh, for hours and hours, I was actually literally convinced that the ceremony was my funeral and everyone was waiting for me to die so that they could go home. Oh, and so, yeah. And so she, she takes us through, sometimes she, she takes us through these really mild experiences and we just get to really enjoy and be present. Sometimes she takes us on these fucking roller coasters and there's no seatbelt for it. And you're trying to figure out how to hold on to something that like is in your head. And, and you, you, sometimes you go into these visionary experiences and you forget that, that that's not the, the physical reality that you're living in. Sometimes you go into these visionary experiences and you're very much aware that your, your consciousness is somewhere else, but you can also feel your body. Um, I often tell people that sometimes it, it can even feel like dishonoring to try to put ayahuasca into words because that experience is so unique to what it is. And every time you sit with the medicine, it's a completely different experience. It's a grab bag every time. You have no idea what you're going to get. And, and you can you set your intentions. You let the medicine know, you know, like why you're there. But the work that's done, you have no idea what it's going to be. You're, you're going to get exactly what you went there for, but you don't know what the path to getting there is going to be at all. Oh, that's like any time that you ask any kind of question to the universe in any way. And they're yes. like, well, this is where the fuck we're going. So <laughs> here's all either you're faced with obstacles you have to overcome every time or yes. it picks you up and it plants you there. And it's like, well, best of luck. Here you are. Yep. And, and I tell people, you know, like, like ayahuasca is, she's known as the grandmother. She, I tell people ayahuasca grabs us by the ear and walks us through our shit. She walks us through our traumas. She walks us through our fears. She walks us through our insecurities. She walks us through our judgments. And if there's ever a moment where we resist her and we, we say, no, that's not true, or that's not what's happening, or we argue with her, and we try to pull away, she's not going to release her grip. And so we're pulling our ear off. And so eventually we get to this place where it hurts a little bit and we need to just surrender to what it is that she's taking us into. And that's one of the reasons that surrender is such a big word in medicine communities is because all of these medicines, you know, take us through a process of surrender where we need to release literally anything and everything so that we can dive into the experience Ayahuasca is just kind of uh, one of the most intense iterations of learning how to surrender. <laughs> Interesting. And and when you give that to others at the ceremony, are you taking it as well or are you kind of shopping? Yeah, both. Yeah. So we take the medicine as well so that we can be in that space. Um, when, when you're in ayahuasca space, and, and this is true really for, for any plant medicine experience, um, you, you want to be in that space so that you can 
see what's going on in the space. And it's, it's, you know, we can be as psychically connected as we are and still maybe identify energies in a plant medicine space. But when you're in the medicine with everyone else, you're literally walking in the same dimension as them, right? So it's like the difference between channeling a spirit or being in the same dimension as the spirit. I love this. I think that I just need to fucking go to Utah and do an ayahuasca trip. Do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It actually is a goal of mine. I I want to um, go to one of your, I want to do an immersion. Yeah. I want to go for the three day full experience. I want to have that crazy eye opening thing. I think it would be amazing to do it side by side with my husband as well. I just think that yeah. would be, Anyways, that's a goal that I have in life. It's a powerful experience. It 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 even even ceremony without plant medicines. I don't I don't do much of that anymore, but even that just because of the space that's held, the intentionality, the energy, the reason that we're there, the fact that it is a ceremony, it it I, I don't I don't know anyone who can go in that space and not leave changed, even on subtle levels, right? Like we don't even have to have this like crazy interdimensional wild roller coaster of an experience it can be a very gentle experience and completely change every aspect of someone's identity in the most beautiful ways um it's it's something that although i i don't think that um all plant medicines are for everyone i think that if someone is feeling called to attend ceremony it it can it can have nothing but benefit for them as long as they're sitting with someone um, who works in integrity, for sure. Um, <laughs> I had questions for you on yeah. the psychic medium aspect. Yeah. So here's here's kind of what my struggle is. So I have um, always, like I said, been able to see and and hear spirit in a different way than the people around me. Mm. And it's always, uh, I never know if you are to approach somebody and because you're getting some a message so strongly, right. or if you wait for somebody to approach you, what is what would you say to that? I have one specific person. Um, I know somebody whose best friend lost their son. Mm-hmm. And um, since she's told me about it, I, I have had conversations with the son. I know that the son, that the mother has um, a hat of the sons, even though I've never met this woman and that he desperately wants her to have a, um, a, a meeting with an, a, a medium so that mm-hmm. he can relay messages to her. And every time that I go to text my friend and say, Hey, I, I, you know, you should relay this message to your friend. I hesitate because I don't know what crossing a boundary of, of respect is and of, of somebody grieving. I'm going to challenge that by saying that those justifications are your ego's way of keeping you from doing something both super powerful and super vulnerable. I could see that. I think that, I don't think it's ever about should I do this or should I do that? I think it's about um, why is this coming to me, right? I used to have this thing that I would say before I started actually um, openly offering mediumship and psychic reading, 
I would do this thing where I would diminish myself and I would say, like, who am I to bring these messages through? Like, who am I to to go and tell someone that their their mom is talking to me? Who am I to tell someone that I know what they're going through? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And then it's like, well, wait, I'm me. And that's why these energies are coming to me because I'm the one to deliver these messages. These messages aren't for me. This isn't my mama. So, <laughs> so it's like, it's like, who am I? I? I'm that guy. I am that bitch. I am that person that needs to be delivering this message because it's not for me. And so we, we, can, we can come up with all these reasons like, oh, it's, it's disrespecting someone's blah, blah, blah. No, it's actually offering them something. This spirit is coming. It's kind of like, like it's so funny to me because people treat spirits as if they're they they as if they're not the same as humans and i get that they're not in every way but it's like like if your friend came up to you and asked you to tell their cousin something because they couldn't tell them you wouldn't think twice about it you'd be like yeah sure i'll deliver that message i'll send that text i'll make that phone call but then when it's a spirit coming to us, all of a sudden we're like hands off, like, ooh, I'm not allowed to do that. I'm not supposed to do that. And it's like, no, actually, it's the exact same thing. Pick up the phone. <laughs> I, think it's the, I think it's the fear of how it'll be taken or, uh, how do I, or like a, a judgment on it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that you for say sure. that and I internalize and think. And, and, you know, it's like when it comes to fear of judgment, like, um, we can't control what someone else is going to do or say about the things that we bring through. Right. But something that I've learned in my own process, it reminds me of, um, I'm not a TV guy and I never watched family guy, but I saw this like meme or something. And it was the little baby character was standing next to his mom's bed. And he just kept saying, mom, 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 mom. And that's how I feel about energies and spirits. Like they're just going to keep yelling mom in your ear until you wake up and give them the attention that they're asking for. Well, shit, I'm going to wake up because it's literally been weeks and I wake up (laughs) in the middle of the night to like text this person and be like this message for your friend. And then I'm like, and every time. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Every time I just talk myself out of it. That's the other thing too. Like, why does the message have to go through your friend? I don't know. I You're don't the know medium. the actual woman. Oh, so what happens? You. So it's my boss and she and I are very close and it's her best friend. And um, I, this message first came through on the day that they um, were actually doing like a one year remembrance of him. Oh yeah. And she told me that they were going to do this and I had had, a spirit around talking and I just didn't, I couldn't place it. Uh And I knew that it was a son and I didn't know. And ever since that day, um, I just have felt it very strongly. And I know that the mother is really struggling and I just, I've never met her. I don't know her. And so that's why I've always, I, I've just felt like I would tell my boss because that's her friend, you know? Right. I would even encourage you to just ask if 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 they can ask permission to give you the contact information. Um, something I've learned when it comes to to mediumship and stuff is it's it's when we're performing mediumship that spirits messages are already coming through our own filter. 
And then if we're trying to relay those messages through another human, it'll go through their filter. So then they're getting like an, a double filtered, uh, not just even like the verbiage, but the energy of it is coming through a couple of different filters. And um, it might be, it might serve you to just relay the message directly. Either way, you know, however it's done, I think that it's important not just for the mother, but also for you, you know, doing something like that, that's a true authentic expression of your power. And when we act on that stuff, it allows us to level up. It allows us to become more in touch with ourselves and our gifts and the universe and the divine. And then it's like, once you do it once, then, then another spirit is like, Oh yeah, now I can come through. And then you're, you're doing a whole mediumship session for a group of people one day. You know, it's, it's really cool. It's like we're working out muscles. When we, when we speak on our intuition, our psychic gifts, et cetera, when we trust it and we act on it, we're building a relationship with it. And it, it, it is, it's working out the muscles. It's making it stronger so that we can do more of that. And we build a stronger and stronger relationship with ourselves, with the universe, with spirits, with the gifts that we have, whatever it is. And that's how we, we find this like authentic mastery over who we are. And that's how we learn how to use our gifts for different purposes and intentions. Thank you for that. No, that makes absolute sense. And having this conversation, I'm like, oh, you're just, you're just scared of somebody being like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> right, right. I totally get it. And trust me, like I do, I do readings for people almost daily and I'll still have my moments of like, what if they tell me that none of this is true? Has that ever freaking happened? Not once in six years. Not but once I has still... that ever happened to me. Exactly. Like no matter what, like it's always going to be true. It's always going to be spot on. Maybe sometimes the person will have resistance to it or they don't want to receive it. Or they, at first they think that you just, I don't know, like, like, like knew something previously and you're just sharing that. But when we deliver that stuff in pure vulnerability and authenticity, even if that person walks away in that moment, having not received us, we'll get a message in a week, a month, a year. And, and they'll be thanking us for having delivered that. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I just think back on my own, not uh, just, just regular reads or, or, you know, a card read or something. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And then a week later, I'm like, damn it she was right you know? <laughs> exactly yes 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 but yeah it's you know it's powerful stuff and and the more that you embrace it the more it embraces you the more that you trust it the more that it trusts you and the more that you serve it the more that it serves you and it, it opens up a realm uh, an area of your life um that carries like such beautiful purpose I love this. I feel like uh, we did this. I, we did this episode so that I could reach other people and Yay. spread. And I feel like you reached me and helped me uh, with so much just in this, you know, short time that we've been talking. And I'm I'm beyond Yay. grateful. I'm so well, happy. Yeah. Once you started talking about channeling, I was like, oh, something's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wanted I wanted to get into the nitty gritty. I want to understand. I want to I want to learn. And I think that especially talking about um, the channeling aspect, you know, the whole point of me wanting to do the podcast was that there's such 
uh, misunderstanding. And I feel like the people in the spiritual community and practicers don't ever get to actually share their version and have their voice heard. Uh, yeah. uh, there's just, you know, misconceptions. And I wanted to be able to give that space and you clear something up with, you know, using the word channeling. And I, I compared it to the possession, but possessions always thought of as something evil. It's never thought right. of as it's something that's doing good. And all of us is obviously trying to heal and spread love. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would love if you um, gave your social medias where people can find you. And then I'm also going to put all of that in the description so that everybody can go where you are um, and then say what services you offer so that they know what they can come to you for. That's so dope. Yeah. Um, so my, my website is www.aehealing.com. Uh, my business is called Ascension Energy Healing. I shortened that so no one had to like type that. Um, on Facebook, I am Etheric Medicina. Uh, and on Instagram, I am Etheric underscore Medicina. Um, the website is the easiest way to get routed to everything so people don't have to worry about learning how to type words that they can barely say. And <laughs> from um, my website, people can see my services. I do all sorts of stuff. So I do group work and I do private work with people. Um, so I have public uh, events and ceremonies that I do here in Utah. Um, I work with a lot of different plant medicines. A lot of them are also legal, so people don't have to worry about the legalities behind things. Um, and I do like gong baths and sound healings and classes. Um, I do private work with people as well for people that want to, want to really dive deep into themselves one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I offer psychic tarot reading, astrology chart readings, and then I also do this cool thing that's a combination of astrology and tarot that I call astro tarot readings. Um, and then I also do energy healing with people that I call etheric energy alignments. It's my own form of energy healing that I came up with. I'm not like officially trained in any sort of energy healing practice. Um, and then I do private plant medicine ceremonies for people as well who are wanting to jump into that space one-on-one. -on -one. I really love doing it in a group setting because we reach a deeper level of intimacy and connection and, and being in that space with other people is really powerful. Um, but if there is someone who's just like, no, I don't want to do that in a group, then I'll, I'll do that with them uh, privately. Um, all of the, the work that I do, except for plant medicine ceremonies, people can do with me virtually via video chat or over the phone, or people can always travel out to me in Cedar City if they want to do work in person. Um, I like to let people know doing, doing the work over video chat is nowhere, it's not uh, less powerful than doing it in person. That's one of the great things about doing energy work is that we don't physically have to be around each other in order to do that work. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, then I will um, link all of that. And um, I have been also opening space for people to ask any questions after um, after they hear the podcast. And so yeah. if people have direct questions, I'm going to just send them your way so that they can get it straight from you. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'd let people know I'm such an open book and I love talking about this stuff. I'm so passionate about it. And I think, you know, it's it's we need this kind of awareness in the world. So anytime anyone has questions, I love geeking out and, <laughs> and chatting about this stuff. Perfect. Well, then um, I will let everybody know that they can go to you. And I hope that you have a fabulous night. I'm so appreciative of you just using your time and your wisdom and just sharing everything with me. Yeah, definitely. Anytime. If there's ever another time that you want to, I love doing this stuff. So anytime. And thank you so much for thinking of me and, and asking me to do this. Any way that I can spread this work and knowledge, I, I really love taking those opportunities. Well, I'm sure that I will uh, take the opportunity to have you back on another time. And I hope that you have just a fabulous night. Yay. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful night, love. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye. After this interview, I did end up reaching out and doing that mediumship read. It all was 100% accurate, and I am so excited that Etheric gave me that little boost of confidence. I hope that you guys pulled something away from this interview, and I hope that you have the most kick-ass week. Toodles, weirdos, rejects, and free spirits. See you next time.